Welcome to Intrepid Media, the show for the business professional. Here, we're going to talk about business topics such as leadership, sales, marketing, HR, innovation, strategy, and technology. But we're also going to riff about lifestyle too and help you look better, feel better, and live better. This show is everything the modern business professional needs, from the C-level executive to the millennial. So let's get on with the show. Good morning and welcome back to Intrepid Radio. I am your host, Todd Schnick. This is going to be a fun conversation. We've had a lot of conversations over the years on this show about focusing on what's happening right now versus worrying about the past or obsessing about the future. And this is going to be another conversation on that. I think this is going to be a very interesting conversation and perhaps a different take on this idea. I've had the pleasure of interviewing today's guest on a on a different series a year or so ago, and uh, I always enjoy interacting with him, looking forward to the conversation. Let's welcome to the show Dr. Max McEwen. He's a behavioral strategist and the author of several books, including a new one that we're going to talk about today, Hashtag Now, The Surprising Truth About the Power of Now. Max, welcome back to the show. Good to be here, Todd. Always good. Always good to connect with you, my friend. I appreciate you carving out some time to join me. I'm sure I'm disrupting you from writing the next great book. So, uh... <laughs> Well, I wrote this one, Todd, on the publisher came to me. She'd uh, read some things I'd written and said, look, you've really got to share this new idea. And I had no time, I thought. But then as I was researching, I thought, why not create some time? So I wrote it all on my iPhone as I traveled around the world. So sort of two thumbs and an iPhone book. Uh, it's one of those books. Oh, it's awesome. Well, and you know what? It kind of speaks to what you're, what we're going to be talking about is, you know what? All we have is now. And so what we do with now is what we do with now. And so you decided <laughs> in the time you had to, to write this book. So before we get to this book, Max, so just in case someone listening is not familiar with you, take a few quick seconds. Tell us a bit about you and your background. Well, I started off professionally working for some software companies and some uh, innovative banking companies, and then worked more and more on strategy in terms of the business, but a very practical strategy. So really, strategy is shaping the future. How do people, humans, groups, corporations, companies, and even societies choose actions now that shape their future in ways they'd like so that was my background professionally and then i i, I did that at a on a research basis as well with a, a doctorate and then did more and more psychology so blended the two hence the term behavioral strategist looking at how humans shape the future for other humans by thinking about what they want and what other people want and how they'll react Outstanding. Well, like I said, what uh, when we talked before, it was around your innovation book, and you're also known for the strategy book. Uh, so why did you have to do a book on this idea of now and nowist mindsets and nowism? What, what, and, and, and why did the world need another book on that? Because if you go to Amazon, there's a ton of books about the idea and the power of now. Yeah, and particularly books either saying just do it, just get on with it, or the the more perhaps uh, spiritual side of it, uh, talking about how now is the only thing that exists, the the famous Eckhart Tolle stuff. 
this came about for a couple of reasons. One, because in my professional work, you ended up realizing that the essence of strategy and innovation is about deciding what to do at any one time, but also then getting on and doing it and doing it fast enough for it to be worthwhile. So it's nice in the innovation field. It, it's lovely to come up with the idea for say, a simple one, smartphone. But if you come up with the idea of a smartphone today, it's too late for it to be exciting. If you came up with it 20 years ago, it was the wrong timing. So there was this element of, of timing there. But then also, as I did more and more psychology research, I found about 30 years of fabulous stuff that really spoke to this. So a sort of hard evidence-based look at how people deal with now and how certain people deal with it far more productively than others and have far more fun as well than others. Uh, and that group we've labeled nowists. All right. So what is the fundamental problem? Now, the way I look at it is you need to focus on on what's right in front of you. And, and when you do that and you put 100% of your focus on it, then you can actually enjoy the process, whatever it is, whether it's creating a, a new product for your organization, focusing on your health, focusing on your family, or what have you. I, I think when you think about the past, you're full of regret because you're just thinking about the past and what you might have not done well. Or if you're if you're thinking about the future, and look, there's a there's a role to play in in thinking about the future. But if you're if all you're doing is focusing on the future, you're full of stress because you don't know what's going to happen. There is the power of now. I mean, so help me understand the context in the modern world about why this idea of nowism is so critically important to everyone listening. Well, I think the traditional idea of now in things like the Eckhart Tolle books and the mindfulness books that that's a nice start because that's about saying, you know what, Todd, you're feeling overwhelmed, so let go of all of that future and past and really be present in the moment. And that's, that's great. And I call that in the book, that's the, the breathe in, breathe out power of now. And that's very traditional. This is about the next step, which is having breathed in and you breathe out, how do you move on? How do you keep moving? So a kind of active optimism a movement and that's important too because certainly the group i looked at in my own life i can't make the the whole world stop just because i want to i live in a busy world with many different competing priorities and it's a rich world and i don't want to cut myself off from that and what i discovered through the research is that there's a way of behaving and a way of thinking that means you can have the best of an exciting full life, the best to enjoy being busy, enjoy the pressure, enjoy the stress in a way, rather than just be hiding from reality. And, and that, again, is the, the nowest mindset. All right. Well, the, enjoy the stress. That's a that is an amazing concept. We're going to talk about that in a second. But this is, yeah, as you said, this isn't about just be present. And, you know, I, I always, when someone says, give me an example of what you mean by being present. And I look at a very mundane task, say, of washing the bowl I just ate my dinner in. And, and the idea being 
that instead of sitting there thinking, oh, there's so many more things I need to be doing instead of washing this bowl and being stressed about that, I enjoy that process and I make a real concerted effort to listen for the squeakiness sound when the bowl is clean and the, the pride I feel in doing that. Now, that's not what you're talking about because what this is really about is psychology of moving forward. So it's hard to get people to understand, just be present and focus on the now, let alone thinking about how to move forward because then they get confused and say, well, wait a minute, you're saying not to think about the future. Help me, just be sure we're real clear on, on how on the psychology of moving forward. Well, the, the now, for everybody, time is the same in a way. It's just you know made up of moments two or three second moments, about a billion of them in a lifetime. So that's true of everybody. So it's terrific to enjoy the moment, but you've still got things to do next. But let, let me ask you a question, uh, okay, to, to illustrate. Some of this research came from a professor who asked a, a question, and he said, imagine that you're in a parking lot somewhere at the mall, and you have to you're with somebody uh, with somebody else and one of you wants to find the perfect parking space you know right next to the mall entrance and the other one of you wants to just get parked as quickly as possible so which are, are you todd are you the guy who wants to be in the perfect spot or park as quickly as possible and keep moving I may have been the outlier in the research because I'm one of those guys that parks. Uh, I take the first spot I can find, but far away, so I can I have the excuse to walk and get in some okay. exercise. <laughs> yeah, well, that that sounds though that like you're more on the, the kind of nowest side in that yes. you want you you enjoy the movement. Uh, that's why you want to to walk, and you also want to waste as little of your life as possible looking for parking spaces. Right. And, and that leans you that, that way. And the advantage of that is that you are always in motion and you're always enjoying the thing that you are doing. And the, the, these, this kind of side of our brain that wants to just keep moving and enjoying moving has the advantage that it lets us, on average, be happier than those people who want to find the perfect answer to everything because they, they have this perfectionist inside them or on their shoulders saying, you know what, if you could just get a little bit closer there or if you could find the perfect thing to buy or the perfect job or the perfect mission in life or get the perfect grade at school and look good to other people. And this just starts stacking all sorts of quite unpleasant pressure uh, onto us so that we never quite know if we're enjoying our lives or not. Whereas the, the narrowest mindset, and we discovered this in people, just enjoy what they are doing and let's go of anything really that gets in the way of forward motion. And that's what it means to, to be a narrowest, present in the moment, but biased to, to forward motion and to action. Well, it's one way to look at that. Max, is say, all right, I have a 20-item to-do list, and I'm stressed about it because that's an awful yep. lot of things I have to do, and I'm and I, how am I going to begin? What What's the most important thing to start, and what how should I prioritize these? And, oh, my gosh, what happens if I have two more things added to the list? And then, But whilst you're focusing and obsessing on not getting the list done, you're, you're adding stress because you're not taking any forward action. Whereas if you were just to say, all right, let's dive in and take number one and get to work on it, focus on it, do it well, 
boom, you are moving forward because you are you are beginning to take action on that on that to-do list, but you're also focused on the present because you're doing task number one and you're focused on it. And then when you're done, boom, then you clearly move the, on. Then the next one, so emails. When you're in this kind of perfectionist, thenist mode, we call it sometimes in the book, what you're thinking about is how can I get to zero, to inbox zero? And you're only happy when there are no emails left in your inbox. So that, that's one way of looking at it. But the narrowest way of looking at it is to say, every time an email gets in, uh, it gets to me, I'll try to, to answer that straight away with pleasure. Maybe I'll even call that person up and get it done you know, straight away and enjoy the energy that's coming to me via the email or via the request or the interruption. So you're using that energy and enjoying the doing because you've got to do it anyway, rather than trying to find the perfect way of doing it or only being happy when it's finished. Because you're going to continue to get emails. I mean, so there's never going to be a situation where a thenist is going to be satisfied because there's always going to be new emails in that inbox. And I hope you're listening to this. You're understanding that the, the inbox here is a metaphor for everything going on in your life. Right? For everything. But, well, but, the perfect house, the house being finished. Right. I mean, I swear, the only houses that don't need work on them still are the ones in sitcoms. You know, these perfect <laughs> houses where there's never anything to, to do or anything going wrong. So you're never going to get to perfection because... Perfection doesn't exist. But perfectionism gets in the way of so many things. It gets in the way of enjoying what you're doing for itself. Uh, and it often stops us starting anything because we're, we're worried. Uh, I, I was talking with somebody and she was saying she found it really hard to be decisive about buying things because she always feared that later she would criticize her choice. And she'd say, oh, that just wasn't the right thing you bought. Maybe that could be the same with a job, you know, just won't be the right job. I'll regret it one day. And this stopped her being decisive, wasted more time on a decision that she could never make perfect and robbed her of her joy. Ultimately, far better to, to let yourself off the hook and just say, hey, let's just make it good. That's enough. Let's just do it. Let's enjoy it. And uh, there's only one way to find out. Action will tell me more about my tastes. Did I like the job? Take the job, find out. Did I like what I bought? Buy it, find out. And then you discover bit by bit by kind of looking while leaping, leaping while looking. See, therein lies the whole crux of this thing is, is that when you're so consumed by, did I make the right decision? Am I ever going to get through all these emails? You're, you, don't, you don't take any action. You don't start anything. And then that ultimately feeds the stress that is that is ultimately overwhelming you and crippling you. All right. Gosh, exciting conversation so far. Unfortunately, we have to go to a break. So Max McEwen and I will return after this short break. We'll be right back. Think Next, Act Now is an entrepreneurial movement. It is a teaching platform, a coaching forum that emphasizes action. And the link between thought and action makes a difference in the outcome you determine or the result that's determined for you. When you see, seize, and create opportunity for yourself, you take a big step toward becoming recession-proof and changing your life. If you are determined to make a change in your life, Think Next, Act Now will provide the essential toolkit to move your life forward. 
only realized potential caches the check of reality. Now is the time to realize your potential. Think next, act now, and go always forward. To learn more, go to BillWoodich.com. That's BillWoodich.com. All right, I am back with Dr. Max McEwen, behavioral strategist and, and author of many books, including Hashtag Now, The Surprising Truth About the Power of Now. So, gosh, we I'm trying to think of the best way to kick off the second half of this show. Uh, I've heard you talk about that it's only worth paying the right pain for the right gain. What do you mean by that? Well, I think that the, the, the idea comes from this, this now sort of ability to not do something just because they think they should or because other people think that they should or because it's hard. So a student, for instance, who is looking for the perfect grade to impress the teacher to get into the perfect university, to get the perfect job. But what they may confuse is the work with the result. So they may even get perfect grades, but does that help them get to what they really want to do and really want to achieve? So it's terrific. There's an example I've used recently from the world of athletics where Usain Bolt, there are two parts of this. One, he used to run the 400 meters and he would train and train and train and he hated the, the work. It really hurt his back. He got injuries. They discovered he had a sort of curvature of the spine. And he said to everybody, listen, I'm fed up with this. I don't mind the pain, but I want the right gain. I want the right result from it. And so he switched to the 100 meters and he changed his training regime so that he put the right effort in, but he got the gain he wanted. He got the thing he really did care about. And so that's what I mean by the right pain for the right gain there's no automatic connection between paying a price, working the hours, um, uh, being patient. There's no automatic. So if it's not working, then do something else and don't assume that hard is best or that long, painful decisions lead to the best decisions. There's just no evidence of that at all. It's possible to make quick decisions that are better than slow decisions and it's possible to get through the day relatively effortlessly and achieve far more than the person who just puts in endless hours on things that they don't enjoy. Well, when you think about Usain Bolt in that example you used, since he was getting the right gain, I don't know that he would describe the right pain as pain. That's, that's what life's asking for. That's what is required. And, and I think most people are so afraid. It's part of this idea of fearing the future is that, oh, I gotta, I'm going to have to, I'm going to be dealing with the wrong pain. They're so afraid of, quote, pain that they're not even willing to think about the right pain. I think this now is mindset begins, you begin to better identify what the, quote, right pain is. And when you do that, then this becomes part of the process and you don't even look at it as pain. Am I on the right track there? Well, yeah, because then you can start to, it, it doesn't matter. I mean, if you read his autobiography or any great athlete, you see just the, um, the aching joints and, and that there is a cost involved. And so that's okay. But as you say, the nowist actually loves the doing as long as it's the doing that they enjoy. So they do both. You know, they look at it and say, is this getting me where I want to the stuff that I enjoy? And also, 
is what I'm doing the stuff that I enjoy? And if those two things are true, even the hard can become purposeful. You know, even the really awful day can become purposeful. And, and that, as you rightly point out, goes right through the book. People who suffer from cancer, people who in crisis, people who are involved in the aftermath of 9-11, as an example, or earthquakes or other disasters or attacks. There are people who are able to somehow see the growth in all of this and then they experience positive growth, even though they never would have asked for it. And that's a, a part of a nowist mindset as well. See, I learned that critical lesson in my life when I was studying sports champions. And I was reading a story about Chris Everett, the tennis champion, who when she won Wimbledon for the first time, it was a big deal, obviously. And, and it was a big victory for her. And she quickly realized that the joy of actually winning the championship, that lasted a couple of hours. What, what she realized was the real joy was in the work I did to actually get there to be in a position to win Wimbledon. And so then I got, I got excited about the process of doing it again. And, it, and when, I, when I understood that lesson and realized, yeah, you know, hey, you win something, whether it's a, a Wimbledon or whether it's a, a business deal or you win a girl yeah. or whatever the deal is, the, the actual victory itself, oh, sure, there's, there's joy in that. But that's, that's, that's fleeting. I mean, what we, and what you will remember on your deathbed is the work you did and the process you did to actually get there. And that was the real – and I think that's – we could apply that to Usain Bolt too, right? I, I think so, so. And then also, there, there are other examples I can think of. Phil Knight over at Nike, yeah. he said when he floated the company, he, he talked about he talked about in his memoirs all the stresses and the government coming after him and all sorts of difficulties. But when he eventually floated the company and overnight had a couple of hundred million dollars in the bank, he thought to himself, well, what, what, why am I not feeling good and he said it was a regret that the journey had finished, that he no longer could, could be that bold entrepreneur. Uh, and I saw, saw a similar example from Ed Catmull, the Pixar guy, you know, from being a kid watching Disney on the television and wanting to be involved in animation. It took him 20 years to revolutionize computer animation and make Toy Story, 20 years. And he said... At that moment, that triumph, what he felt was the loss of purpose. So, and then had to find a new purpose all over again. And I think that would be the, the great problem. If you don't enjoy the doing now, you will get to the end of something you are not enjoying and not enjoy that either. Yeah. And wonder why you've spent 20 years, you know, the grit idea, 20 years. <laughs> Um, with persistence and gritting your teeth and then realize that the payoff, it's slight. Yeah. It's having the children and living with them every day when you have children and a family. It's living your life in your relationship. It's going to work and it's commuting and it, that's life. And if you're careful, too careful, I think, you can think that being unbusy is the answer or getting to the end of the road. But since that's death, I yeah, think it's best yeah. to enjoy life. Well, and there's a growing collection of literature on that very subject. Yeah, you said at the top half of the show that you have to you really need to figure out a way to enjoy stress. And and 
and look, there's so much thought leadership and so much literature about how stress is an evil, bad, negative thing. And, and you've said we have to learn how to ride stress like a mule. How do we turn stress into something that can be a positive? Walk us through that. I think, first of all, by even accepting that some people can do it. That makes it possible. You know, Todd? Uh, I found this just very exciting as I was looking at the the research, mine and other people's, that there are, if you even remind somebody of a time that they enjoyed a demanding situation, they become more able to enjoy the next demanding situation, just reminding them in an experiment. And that's true of life too. So first of all, by accepting it is possible. And then by playing, I guess, a kind of, series of thought tricks on yourself, mind tricks, where, for instance, uh, you, we, we looked at some research where uh, nurses in an emergency room situation only got annoyed at interruptions during their day when somebody would come and ask them a question that was not related to what they were doing. They only became annoyed in the second half of the day because the second half of the day they expected not to be interrupted. That makes sense. Mm-hmm. So you know how when you take a bath, you want a quiet bath and you get in the bath and then you're interrupted. I don't know about you, but I, that's when I'm most likely to get a bit annoyed because I don't expect to be interrupted. But when you do expect to be interrupted and you accept it and you embrace it, then when your child asks you a question while you're trying to do some work or work asks you a question while you're trying to be with your child, you just view that as the way life is. And you use the energy to move you along. So I think that those are the first two two really important steps. Accept that it's possible. And second, embrace this as part of life energy. And stop trying to think that there is going to be this time in your life when there is not an interruption, that there's not an added demand uh, on you. Just treat it as normal. Well, it's this uh, and, idea that yeah. that if if I have we talked about this earlier with you know the willingness to to do to go through the right pain to get the right gain. I mean, to me, it, it's if I have nothing going on, it's like when Phil Knight and it's when the guy with Pixar when they, when those missions ended, they felt directionless, and, and that's kind of what we're talking about here. I mean, to, to have to have the right kind of stress, or another way to look at it is the right pain. That means you're doing something meaningful, right? And so that ought to be a good thing and that ought to energize you. Well, there's a stress clock inside the book. And uh, it comes from research, but also from my experience of being a father with um, particularly my daughter, who's very driven. And what I, we did as she, she was growing up was we explained that up to a certain point, the stress and the things that you want in life and Uh, your desires and your passions and even other people's demands up to a certain point they are really useful because they put you in the zone uh, where you're energized and you're doing things and you're enjoying those things and you're using your life in a productive way past a certain point it becomes really corrosive becomes distressing you become overwhelmed so what you want is enough energy not to be powerless and without energy and not so much pressure that you become overwhelmed. You want to be in that kind of zone of now. And so, yeah, stress is your friend, but also life is. Life is stressful, normal. Like your house, again, 
if we get back to that example, as a homeowner, there will never be a time when there is nothing that needs to be done on your house. And the bigger your house, the more work needs doing on it. And that's just the way it is. Yep. Uh, and uh, you'll be very disappointed if you promise yourself you'll only be ha happy after your kids grow up or you'll only be happy when you're retired or you'll only be happy when you're a millionaire or, or whatever your only if is. Uh, enjoy where you are now. Yeah, yeah. And that's the only way you're going to be happy, in my view. This idea uh, of this nowist mindset, and let's say you adopt it, let's say you begin to practice it and you get better at that and it begins to positively impact your life. Uh, I fear, Max, that there's a lot of business environments, a lot of business culture where being a nowist isn't, you know, it's not really conducive to that. What, what does a nowist need at work? And, and more importantly, how can leaders and how can management provide an environment where a nowist can thrive and, and, and positively benefit the organization? I think that nowists naturally like change. So that's the, the one very useful thing is that the nowist views change as more interesting than not change, you know, even in some fairly dramatic situations, like the guy who was the aid worker who was um, kidnapped and uh, held in Iran. And he, he talks about it afterwards almost as this exciting adventure. So that sense of adventure and that sense of change can be terrific, first of all, for the individual and for the organization because they, they see that reorg and they say, wow, this is so, so cool. Let's see what happens next, even if they would not have agreed with any of the changes. So that's useful. But a lot of the, the best nowists, the super nowists, they judge you and the organization on that sense of speed. They want to work with the manager who lets them move fastest or with the organization that lets them move fastest. And when they don't get to move fast, they either give up and stay with you, which is bad, or they give up and leave to another organization, which is bad. So they need to feel fulfilled with their energy needs. And what you find is that they, they will skip. I have many friends who have moved from different tech companies, whichever one was hottest. And what they mean by hottest is the one moving fastest. So they, they will have been at Microsoft and then they went to Google and then they went to Facebook and then they went to the next one and the next one. So first of all, what, what they're good for you. Secondly, you have to give them enough room and clear enough objectives so that they can move fast and stop getting in their way. Just giving them perks and it is not enough or even money, it's not enough. They want to have this sense of moving so get, get the red tape out of their way or let them get rid of the red tape or, or the barriers and yeah. create a culture of speed. And I think this is why the millennials have a re reputation of being job poppers because they're more likely to be nowists, I think, than, say, older generations. Uh, and they're, they're just trying to find an organization that allows them to, to be a, a nowist, right? Yeah. I mean, if you, if you have grown up in a world of instant that at least is the, the expectation that you can, at Amazon, you, you, you have kids now growing up and they can speak into a machine and demand that their groceries be delivered now, you know, in an hour. And they have spoken those words as young children, it's delivered. And then they get to a workplace maybe where there's a procurement process for everything. 
and there's a set of people to ask before anything happens. Some of that's bureaucratic, some of it's just low expectation, uh, and some of it's maybe just slowness, you know? Yeah. Just they, the expectation from their colleagues is that things can take months that could take minutes. Uh, and I think that's an opportunity to kind of get to the future in time by just changing the the rhythm of the business. Yeah. Oh, fascinating thought. Let's close on one final discussion. Uh, when I first learned that you had uh, written this book on Nowism, I was surprised because of your other work on strategy and innovation. But I, I should have known that this is all tied together. And there is, in fact, a link between Nowism, strategy and innovation. Walk us through that. Well, I've written two different sets of books, I guess. One that was exemplified by a book called Unshrink, another called Adaptability, and now this about Nowists. And I think they work on the culture and the individual, how they behave, what motivates us, what gets us moving, what keeps us moving and adapting. And then another set of books that are much more, in terms of their titles, traditional business. So how do you innovation how do you make new ideas useful and strategy how do you shape the future and when you bring them together it's that businesses comprise people and people work with other people and they have needs competition is just one set of people trying to outwit another set of people so it's all psychology really it's all motivation it's all imagination and i think that's how you you tie it together so some of the people I've featured in my other books are, in fact, great Nowists. They look while simultaneously leaping. Mm. Uh, over, at, over at Tesla, uh, Musk is definitely doing that. You know, he's, his whole life is a series of iterative circles. So you do something and then you roll forward into a bigger cycle and then roll forward into a bigger cycle rather than just having a very sort of linear, safe movement. So he takes all the money he's made as a kid in software and puts it into the next company. And then he takes all that money that he got from PayPal and puts it into his next company. Uh, well, now 100 million pounds put into electric cars, solar power and space exploration. That's a nowist. So he's looking forward. He's anticipating things, but his passion pulls him forward so that he never really stops. Well, if you ever wondered the magic behind Elon Musk, uh, uh, it, then you know you now know it's that nowist mindset. Absolutely. Max, we could talk for another six hours on all these subjects and could go down so many rabbit holes. Unfortunately, we're about out of time for today. Before I let you go, should anyone have any questions about this material or any other work of yours, uh, how can they contact you? And where can they get a copy of Hashtag Now? The book is in all good bookshops. You'll find it at Waterstones. You'll find it at Amazon worldwide. So it's there in Kindle and paperback format. So please do that. Online, maxmcewan.com, or you can come and chat to me on Twitter, at maxmcewan. All right, Dr. Max McEwen, a behavioral strategist and the author of many books, including the new one, Hashtag Now, The Surprising Truth About the Power of Now. Max, as always, my friend, a real pleasure to spend some time with you. Thanks again for stopping by. Thank you. Until next time. All right, absolutely. All right, that's all the time we have for today. Again, on behalf of my guest, Dr. Max McEwen, I am Todd Schnick. We'll see you soon on Intrepid Radio. 
Thank you for listening to Intrepid Media. We appreciate your attention. To receive everything we do, simply go to intrepidmailinglist.com. That's intrepidmailinglist.com and sign up. You can also find us at intrepid.media and on iTunes. And to support the important work we do on your behalf, a rating and review on iTunes will help spread our work far and wide. Again, we certainly appreciate your support. Now get out there, be intrepid, and we'll see you next time.